0: That's investher, H-E-R, con.com, promo code 100, best ever to get $100 off your ticket.
1: It's important to test and to always find out what works and what doesn't. And I think that anybody who's in this niche and they haven't done direct mail, I encourage them to give it a try.
0: Best ever listeners, before we jump into today's episode, for all my fix and flippers out there, are your financing costs eating away at your bottom line? And are you looking for a way to increase your overall profits by lowering your loan payments to the bank or maybe your private lender? Well, our best ever sponsor patch of land you know patch of land they've been on the show representatives of their company have been on the show many times they've been a sponsor of this show many many times they're back for more because they love you and they love working with the best ever listeners and they've got an interesting point of view on interest rates and that is that it's the interest rates that we are quoted shouldn't necessarily be taken at face value because perhaps a higher interest rate could actually deliver a lower cost to your fix and flip loan. And they have a white paper on how that is possible and how that can be applied to your fix and flip business to help your bottom line get more profitable and to help you choose the best uh, lender for your financing needs. So go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. And they've got a white paper for you and it will walk you through the way to evaluate interest rates in terms in general on your loan so that you truly are getting the best interest rate. Because there are some tricky things some lenders try to do to um, glaze over the fact that their lower interest rate, quote unquote, is actually higher based on some technical things that they put into it. So go to Patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless and get that white paper so that you can save money on your fix and flip projects. Patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff and I hope you're having a best ever weekend because it is Sunday. We've got a special segment, Skill Set Sunday, where you're going to come away with a specific skill that will help you in your real estate ventures. And today we're speaking to the owner of Simpson Direct. He has a direct marketing company that manages almost 300 different promotions per year. So obviously we're going to be talking about direct mail. How you doing, Craig Simpson?
1: I'm doing excellent. I'm glad to be a part of your call today. I'm looking forward to talking to you guys.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to learning more about ways to have effective direct mail campaigns. A little bit more about Craig. He is the author of The Direct Mail Solution and The Advertising Solution. He is based in Grants Pass, Oregon. And you can say hi to him at his company website, which is in the show notes. So with that being said, Craig... You want to give the best-ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus?
1: I sure can. So I actually kind of fell into the direct marketing world or direct mail world. When I first got started, I was 19 years old, and I had made these fake rock climbing holds, the kind that you bolt on the walls and you climb on up them. And I had a bunch of people tell me, hey, you should try selling these things. And so on a whim, I went into business manufacturing these fake rocks. And of course in any business I had to market it and I heard of this thing called direct mail. And so I tried doing direct mail in my first campaign it was completely goose egg. I didn't get any response, but I kept on trying. And I got to the point where I sold over 4,000 fake rocks through the mail. And I found that I loved marketing, but I hated manufacturing. I didn't like going out to the sweatshop and making these things by hand. So I sold that business and went to work for a big publisher and started doing huge direct mail campaigns the point of where we're mailing 30 million pieces a year. So for the last 25 years I've been doing a lot of direct mail and I, I love it. I'm kind of a numbers guy. So that's how I got my start and got into this weird world of direct mail marketing. You've
0: been doing it for a while. You said you're a numbers guy. What type of response rates should we receive on a direct mail pieces?
1: Well, if we're looking for, say if it's real estate investing and we're trying to get people to respond for, hey, we want to buy your house or we're looking for distressed properties or whatnot, usually you can expect about three quarters of a percent to respond to your campaign. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be able to find that many sellers, but you'd at least be able to get three quarters of a percent for them to call and find out what it is you're offering or what it is you want to know more about.
0: What's the frequency that you recommend doing?
1: It all depends on response. I'm just going to throw this out because this is an area that I, I do quite a few mailings in. Let's say you're looking for absentee owners and you're wanting to buy their home at a discount. So you take and you mail all the absentee owners and there's 5,000 of them and you get three quarters of a percent response. And you find out that a lot of them turn into people who want to sell you their home. So you buy their home or their property. And you have a great return on investment. If it's a really strong campaign, you don't want to just leave it and sit on it and say, well, I'm not going to go back to those names again. No, instead, if you have a great response, you want to hop back in and mail to them again. So normally, the frequency, if it's a really good list and you get really good success from it, you could mail to that exact same list every month. Now. If it turns out that the list doesn't perform as well the second time, well, then you need to give it a little bit more space. Maybe you can mail to those same names every 60 days or every 90 days. But response really dictates for me how frequent I mail to somebody.
0: That makes sense. When we are looking at direct mail companies, how do we evaluate one against the other in terms of the questions that we should be asking the companies?
1: Great question. I think the biggest thing is, and I guess this goes across the board with any marketing company, is if somebody is promising you the moon that, hey, I guarantee I can get you X number of new clients in the door, or we're going to guarantee that you're going to get more response than you ever have, I would shy away from anybody who uses the words guarantee or ensure that you're going to get the best kind of response. Really, the things you're looking for is people who talk about testing, because All direct marketing boils down to is a lot of testing. You always want to test to see what works and what doesn't. So, for example, if you're talking to a company and they're suggesting that you send out a postcard mailing, hopefully they're going to suggest, well, we don't just have one piece that we think is going to work for you. We have a few pieces that we would like to test out. One may be pink, one may be yellow, one may be white, but we need to test a few things to see whether or not it works in your marketplace. So the keywords to listen for are testing, and you never wanna find someone who's guaranteed or promising results, because nobody knows. I've sent out thousands of mail campaigns, and I can't come into any client and know what the response is gonna be in advance. All I can do is take my knowledge and experience, run a test, and from there we can learn whether or not we have an opportunity to scale it out and make it bigger, or if we need to retool things and try and make it better.
0: And as far as making it better, what are some suggestions to make something better?
1: So for those that are interested in doing direct marketing, and the key is testing, things that you can do to make it better. You always want, when you're talking to the prospect, you want to talk about the pain points, the things that they may be struggling with. If they're an absentee owner and they've got renters, you're probably going to want to talk about the fact that there's some pain of having renters, worrying about people destroying the house, worrying about them paying rent, worrying about them moving out when they're supposed to move out. And then you can address the solution. We can take care of this off your hands. We can take away from you having to deal with this burden every month and you can sell to us and we can make it so that you've got extra cash in your pocket. So we talk to them about the pain. We offer them a solution. That's one way. Another thing would be, Offering testimonials, having past clients that you've worked with rave about you and sharing that with others. People are always convinced and encouraged when somebody else has had a good experience. Just like with Yelp, we're going to eat at a restaurant, we're going to look at Yelp to see if there's any good reviews or not to see whether or not we should go there. But there's three main things to keep in mind when it comes to direct mail. There's the list, there's the copy or the creative, and then there's the offer you make them. So the copy or the creative comes to what it is you say to them. The list is who it is you're mailing to. And that probably is the most important piece of any mail campaign. You want to make sure you have a targeted list of prospects that look like the type of customer you want to go after. And then the final thing is the offer, which is basically what is it you want them to do? Do you want them to call? Do you want them to go online? Do you want them to request a free report or consultation? and those kinds of things. So I can dive into more of those deeper if you'd like, or we can move on and talk about something else. I don't want to overwhelm anyone here either.
0: (laughs) Well, perhaps we'll revisit those three, and I'm glad that you mentioned the list, the copy, and the offer. I'm curious, who does direct mail work best on?
1: It works best on boomers and seniors. They love direct mail. But having said that, there's still a whole group of those who are millennials and those who are older. Who it works on, but if we're to pick one group, if I could only have one group to mail to, I would mail to boomers and seniors. They're the ones that love it, but I wouldn't shy away from testing it on other groups. One of my big clients is Beachbody, and they're a fitness company, and they have a lot of young individuals who buy into their programs. So I can't say that it doesn't work to those younger crowds, it does, but I like boomers and seniors the best.
0: Okay. What type of products does it work best for? with and forget you're talking to a real estate investor just in general. And then perhaps we can apply some of this to real estate, but just best in class, what type of products does it work best with and what type does it perform the weakest with?
1: That's a tougher question. What does it work best with? I think whenever you're mailing to people who have a problem and you can solve it when the problems can be hundreds or it can be thousands of different things because it works for so many different niches, whether it's a bankruptcy attorney mailing to people who are going through foreclosures and it's a way to help them out of it. Or it's a person who wants to buy their pet food online or through the mail rather than having to go through the store. Problem is, I don't want to go to the store and buy a 50-pound bag of dog food. The solution, I can deliver to your front doorstep for the same price as you go into the pet food store. Wow, isn't that nice? Just with the push of a button so really if there's a problem and you provide a great solution and the third element i guess would be it's got to be sold at a reasonable price it's tough to sell books through direct mail because the price is just too low 19.95 is not going to make anybody money especially when you have to pay printing and postage i like to see products that are sold around $100 or $75 and have what we call lifetime value, I meaning that's just the entry point. They buy one bag of dog food, but they're going to buy 20 more over the next nine months or whatever. So there's a long-term customer value that's associated with that initial sale. It's not mm-hmm. just a buy one time and we're done kind of a thing. Those are the things that are the best. The okay. worst are the low-priced offers.
0: <laughs> there's a parallel with what you just said when I look at my sponsors for this podcast. If the sponsor is a company that has a price point that is low and there's not a lot of lifetime value of a customer, meaning, as you said, they're not going to make money after that initial purchase, then they wouldn't be a good fit. But if the sponsor has a higher price point or has a higher lifetime value where there will be repeat purchases then it's a good fit and they've learned to disqualify potential sponsors because of that and then qualify them. Do you do any sort of qualification process with new people who sign up or do you kind of just let them test it out and then see how it works?
1: No, I think there's always a process where we're kind of vetting out who they want to go after and is there a market for it and also looking at their business to determine will they be able to get a high enough customer lifetime value to make this a profitable venture? Mm -hmm. Because it doesn't matter if you get a 10% response rate. If the return on investment isn't good, then there's no longevity with that type of marketing campaign. So yes, there's totally a, a vetting process where we evaluate that and look at who can we mail to and what kind of revenues can we make from it.
0: What type of cost or investment dollars into this program, into direct mail, should we expect to do?
1: It all depends on the marketplace you're going to and how big your marketplace is. When I'm doing a national mailing, I need the client to mail 10 to 15,000 pieces of mail in order to see engage response. If we're doing a local regional mailing, it could be 2,000 to 3,000 pieces of mail. So what does it cost to mail that? Well, there's a lot of variables there. Are we mailing a letter? Are we mailing a postcard? Obviously a postcard is significantly less in cost than an actual letter would be. So when it comes to how much is this going to cost us, there's a lot of things that play into that, but I would think you'd want to start out with a budget of say $5,000 to test. It may end up being significantly less than that, or it could be a little bit more than that, depending on what it is you're mailing and, and how many pieces you're going to.
0: And generally speaking, $5,000, how many pieces does that get you and what are some of the standard things that that would entail?
1: If you're saying you're mailing a postcard, you'd probably be able to mail 3,000 4,000 postcards. Plus that would include the $5,000 would give you the money for the copywriting fees. If you're not writing the sales copy yourself, it'd give you the money for the list rental. It'd give you money for the design. It would basically be one of those things that, hey, this is what it's going to cost me to test it. That's doing it on your own kind of figuring out the list and the copy and the design and those kinds of things.
0: Did you say the list rental?
1: That's correct.
0: Will you elaborate?
1: In most cases, depending on what area you're in, in many cases, you, you can rent the list, but they may, the list owner may not let you buy the list and use it as much as you want. It all depends on what you're going after. So if you're going after people who are going through foreclosure, most of the time the lists are only available to rent. You can use them one time for a fee. If you're going after absentee owners and you're working with your local courthouse or whatever to get information on that kind of stuff, then you probably can buy the names and use them as much as you'd like.
0: How do they protect against the rental not being used more than once if you're mailing it? Uh, Yeah, they,
1: they put in what's called seed names. Those are names that they sprinkle throughout the mail file. You don't know what they are, but they do. And there's companies that set up these remote addresses at different locations throughout the country. Mm. And when they receive your mail piece, they will mail it back to you. So they may have 50 locations throughout the United States. Now they track who is mailing their list. And if they see somebody who's mailing it, cause they're going to have a specific name on there, they'll know and then they'll come after you.
0: <laughs> mm, okay. Now just to circle back to the list, the copy and the offer What is most relevant to elaborate on for us as real estate investors?
1: Well, I think for real estate investors, I would say that one is the list, know who you're going to. If you're going after distressed properties, make sure that you have a targeted list for that and that your copy connects with them. That it's not that you're writing specifically to them about owning a distressed property and how stressful it is and how you can take it off their hands. If you're going to the absentee owner list, Obviously, make sure these lists are quality, that you're getting them from a good source and that you know them to be true. And that you're going to the absentee owners, you want to make sure the copy connects with them, owning a piece of property that they're not living in and that there's pain and heartache there and that you can solve that. Or if it's going after for people with probate, you're specific in your marketing message, the copy and how you talk to this list of people who have probate available.
0: What else haven't we discussed that you think we should based on your expertise in direct mail and our focus in real estate investing?
1: I think the thing is, is there are so many different marketing channels out there right now. And it's important to test and to always find out what works and what doesn't. And I think that anybody who's in this niche and they haven't done direct mail, I encourage them to give it a try because that's important. And people could think, well, how can I use direct mail for real estate investing? Well, surprisingly, there's dozens and dozens, maybe hundreds of people using it all over the country to attract the right kind of sellers of property that they're looking for. And it's worth an effort on your part to give it a try. So I don't know if there's anything missing here. I mean, we we obviously can't go through every detail on how to do direct mail, but I think if I could go away from this call today with one thing in mind is it's worth giving it a test. It's worth finding out if it can work for you or not.
0: It's a perfect segue, Craig. What is the best place the best ever listeners can get in touch with you?
1: It would be my website, which is simpson-direct.com, simpson-direct.com. There's all sorts of information about me there, and that would be a great way to reach out to me.
0: We went through a whole lot. Well, you went through a whole lot. I was just enjoying the ride. I really appreciate you talking through the three things to keep in mind when we're doing direct mail ways to make direct mail better, the pain points, the testimonials, things to watch out for when we're interviewing direct mail companies like The Guarantee. You really want to focus in on testing the frequency. If a list is good, then maybe every month. If not, then less than that, maybe 45, 90 days, and identifying the ideal audience. Although, of course, anyone receives mail, but the ideal audience, as you said, boomers and seniors, but again, everyone receives mail. So test out based on what your offer is and the budget that you recommend at least minimally starting with and going from there, which is 5K. So, Craig, thank you for being on the show, sharing your best ever advice in terms of direct mail, and we'll talk to you soon. Have a wonderful weekend. Sounds good. Thank you very much. Today's sponsor, Patch of Land, has got the document for you that you've got to check out if you're a fix and flipper. They show you how a higher interest rate can actually deliver a lower cost to your fix and flip loan. And conversely, how a lower interest rate could deliver a higher cost to your fix and flip loan. Needless to say, you got to know this stuff to identify the best loan terms. Go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Get this document, patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. The Corporate Investor Podcast is geared towards successful corporate employees with high income jobs looking to create a second stream of income. You'll hear from successful real estate investors on the show as they describe how they got started investing while working their full-time corporate job. Listen and subscribe at thecorporateinvestor.com. That's thecorporateinvestor.com.